listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. And at this day and time, that means David Sampson, he of the daily podcast, simply called Nothing Personal with David Sampson. You can follow him, CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com, and on Twitter, David, the letter P, Sampson, David P. Sampson. Top of the morning to you. How Top are you? of the morning. It's my favorite day of the week. <laughs> Why is nobody has Tuesday as their favorite day of the week? I actually love talking to you guys every Tuesday. So I, I actually disagree with you because Tuesday, I'm a day away from Wednesday and I'm past the weekend enough that I'm not thinking about it. And I'm close enough to the next weekend where I'm ready to think about it. And then I get you guys every morning. I love it. Well, I'm curious. We were talking a little bit about this in our last segment because you think beyond things of baseball, you think all sports. And Adam Silver just got done basically saying his league is fine. Uh, load management is fine. Um, getting players healthy is the most important thing. Can you fix this, David? I, I mean, this this to us is a very difficult fix. We can, we've can we talked about putting it contractually where contracts are tied to games played. That's going to be a tough one to get through the union. How do you fix load management? Well, first, let me tell you why he did that. So they're in the middle of negotiating a collective bargaining agreement. So they either side can opt out by the end of March, and they're trying to get a new deal done so neither side opts out. So when you're making public statements and you're the commissioner during the time of negotiation, everything that you're saying publicly, you're not talking to your audience. You're actually talking to the other side. So in this case, what he was saying is we're talking to the players and he doesn't want to let out that load management is a very big deal because he doesn't want to trade something to get back any concessions in the load management area. So very common what he would say. That said, the reason why load management is actually a big deal is not because people buy a ticket and then can't see a player. Because in baseball, as an example, you could have the best hitter sitting for a day. You don't know. You hope that the starting pitcher who you're buying a ticket for is going to be the starter. But then there's openers and there could be injuries. You just never know. But what he really is talking about is the owners being upset that the value of the regular season has been diminished. If players don't care about the regular season, why should fans pay for or sponsors pay to be a part of the regular season? That's what they really have to deal with because that impacts the revenue and the player's salary is tied to that revenue. So they're actually incentivized to deal with it as well. So it is a very much an issue they're discussing at the table right now and they're going to deal with it. My solution, which is what you asked a minute ago, is not tying it to postseason awards at all. My solution is actually to shorten the regular season. I believe that if you played a 70-game season, much like in baseball playing a 154-game season, I think that would be more beneficial. And I think that having more incentives for advantages during the playoffs for performance during the regular season would make a difference. Because at the end of the day, the more players win, the more they get paid, and the more revenue the league gets, and therefore the more money the players get to share. So something that would make the regular season more meaningful. Last thing, Giannis, the worst quote of all time for a collective bargaining agreement. He said, I don't care if we're the number one seed or the number two seed. It doesn't really matter to me. That is not what you want. You want teams fighting for the highest possible playoff seed, and that's going to be addressed as well during the CBA negotiation. 
Well, and Kevin Durant saying it's great that players can just wake up and decide that they want to change teams. He literally said it's a great thing for the NBA. I got to admit, I would not want to be an NBA owner right now. I feel as if I've lost the power, and I don't know how once I lose it, I get it back besides shutting down the sport. So let me ask you, do you guys have contracts right now? Is that true or not true? That's it true. Is true. So right now, could you wake up and say, you know what? I'd rather be on my competitor station. Do you have that ability or no? <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, no, not until October. In the, right. So once your deal runs out, then you're able to switch and decide if you want to work for a competitor. That's the difference between being an at-will employee, which means there's no contract, or being a contracted employee, which means that you've been guaranteed money. At the end of the day, what a contract is for regular people like us is a severance deal, meaning if you get fired, you get paid out the rest of your contract if you're not fired for cause. And what Kevin Durant was saying is very dangerous, actually, and that's what's happening in the NBA. These players are getting guaranteed contracts, and then in the middle of saying, you know what, I don't want to work for this guy. I want to work for his competitor. And then they make it that it has to be that way because they get so, I don't know, entitled. So that is something that also is going to be at the bargaining table because owners don't want to put money into a player, market him, and figure out ways to promote him. And then they wake up one day and say, I'd rather play for the Lakers. I want to go back to your original thought about a 70-game season and a 154-game season in baseball because we typically don't go back backwards. You know, money's tied to number of games played. Do you think that's something that's feasible to, to shorten the number of games because the players and owners still want theirs? Can they still get theirs by shortening the schedule? So we studied this in baseball, and the reason why we didn't get from 162 to 154, and I was on the committee that did it, is that the teams who sell out every game, they were gonna lose four home games. And they wanted to be paid back as though they were selling out those four home games because their view is that they're missing out on four games of ticket revenue. And they thought that sponsorship deals would decrease because there were only, instead of 81 home games, 77 home games. And I called horse hockey on that. And the reason I did is all teams go through ups and downs in attendance and it generally will come out in the wash and you have to do what's best for the industry. But I wasn't able to get the votes because Central Baseball was not willing to pay the Giants or the Yankees, which is ironic because the Yankees don't sell it every game, for the missed four games. But in basketball and baseball, there's a big difference coming and that's the local RSNs are going bankrupt, which means that having that many games available for broadcast, which was another big deal, that's no longer an issue because those contracts are gonna disappear into the night and the leagues will have a chance to reformulate how they do their local TV. So I think now is actually the best time for these sports to start looking at smaller, shorter, regular seasons. Which takes us to where we wanted to go, which was baseball announcing over the weekend that they're forming this committee, which you said it could be the most important thing that Manfred does during however long he is going to be commissioner. First off, is it because the Mets are spending $400 million or is it because Bally's is going to bankrupt? Why are they doing this committee? So the Economic Reform Committee was just formed by Commissioner Rob Manford, and they're claiming it was formed because they want to figure out the new TV world, how to get 
games broadcast to their audience and how to maximize that revenue given the fact that uh, the local RSN model is really gone and they're going bankrupt because people are cutting the cord. And then there's a mention, we also have to look at the payroll disparity and the revenue disparity in the game. Well, in our industry, what that's called is they buried the lead, L-E-D-E. And they buried it hard because owners are after Steve Cohn. And Rob Manford knows very well that to be a good commissioner and to get bonuses and extensions and stay there as long as you want, you can't have owners fighting because owners fighting leads to a lack of not just cohesion, but an inability to get a new collective bargaining agreement. And while we just had the lockout and the new CBA isn't up until 25, 26, guess what? They're starting now. And the owners on this committee are charged with figuring out how to deal with Steve Cohn and the fact that his payroll is so high and then the lowest payroll is 50 and the highest payroll is 400, basically. That's not good for a sport. And they're trying to get a salary cap, a salary floor. So this committee is going to matter. We're going to watch it over the course of the next few years. But I would say it's not a great sign for labor peace. Do you think that there's any chance this time for a salary cap and salary floor? Because the hardest part, and you've explained this before, Dave, it's not the cap. It's the teams that don't spend of them getting to the floor. And there are several teams who don't spend nearly what they would have to if there were a floor put in. Well, you heard what Rob said. Rob said in, in poker, you have to ante. So maybe we make a floor where teams have to ante a certain amount in order to play. Guess what? They've thought of that before. And the issue for teams like the Marlins and the Rays and the Guardians and the Royals is that they wanted to be paid by central baseball in terms of more revenue sharing in order to make up the difference between a reasonable payroll where they can break even and the payroll needed for a floor. Not all 30 teams can afford to be at a floor at the level that's required for the players to approve it in a negotiation. So that's really the issue of what they're gonna do. But right now that's on the back burner as they figure out what to do with the RSNs and figure out what to do with Steve Cohn. Do you think, by the way, that these teams can make more money post the RSN world, do you think that there's actually more money to be made by individually streaming an individual pay-per-view? Maybe I pay a buck 99 per game. Do you actually think there's more money to be made that way? Or basically have the rate has the gravy train just ended for the Rays and Marlins in terms of local TV revenue? Today, no, unfortunately, David, but but going forward, I think there will be a way that we will be able to, we, that they will be able to monetize their rights and make more than they're doing now uh, as an industry. But individual teams, I'll tell you right now, if they go to a pay for play, meaning if you wanna watch a Rays game, you pay for just the, the Rays, uh, they will not get to where their rights deal is with Fox Sports Florida, neither the Rays nor the Marlins. So this is a fascinating situation because there are teams where I don't think there'll be as big a problem for the larger market teams where they will be able to make up the difference. But teams like the Rays and the Marlins, if those deals go away, which they may hear soon, that's going to be an issue for their cash flow. It will be made up by Central Baseball. They're not telling you that, but it's going to happen. But after next year, we'll see what happens. We've got about a minute left. Could this mean more teams for sale? I mean, is this the type of money that could cause owners to sell teams, David? 
it's it's funny you say that because if I'm owning a team right now, no, because I want to see how this shakes out because right now you're seeing what happened with the Angels and the Nationals. They're not getting the price they want because of the uncertainty in the broadcast world. Therefore, I'm not selling now. That's like panic selling at the low. I want to wait to see what the new world is. If you were going to sell at the height, you sell in 2017 before COVID, before anything. That's a little slap back to what I did. But that said, that was just lucky. We didn't know it was going to happen. But now you're not selling because you're not getting the maximum value that you want because you just a buyer doesn't know what they're getting in terms of local broadcast revenue. We always wish we had more time. It's David Sampson. His daily podcast is nothing personal with David Sampson. It's that simple. CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter where he's a great follow at David, the letter P. Sampson, David P. Sampson. Have a great week. I can't wait for next Tuesday. It's apparently your favorite day. It is. <laughs> David Sampson joining us once again here on Miller and Moulton. It is uncertain times in these sports with all these RSNs. This is going to be fascinating how this shakes out because, as he said, teams are now taking a huge cash clip, and how they come out of it will be for be next. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. If you miss any part of the show, you can download our podcast. Every hour is podcasted, floridasportsnetwork.com, like we just had David Sampson off the top of the hour. Matt Baker from the Tampa Bay Times could be some major changes ahead in college football. Talk to Matt about that in 40 minutes. Well, this week is the first time that Live Golf and the PGA Tour go head to head in the 2023 season. PGA Tours had a good start. They've had good leaderboards. Their full field events have been compelling with great golf. Yeah, I mean, when you got Scheffler or Rom or Homa basically winning your tournaments, I mean, you know, that's that's pretty good. And it was good golf coming down the stretch this past mm-hmm. week, and it was pretty good sure. in Phoenix as well. So they've had not only good fields, the, the top players have produced, and they've had intriguing endings. That's good stuff. That's all they can ask for. Right. But this week they go against... Live Golf, and they're at the Honda. And David, I just pulled up during the break the power rankings for the Honda Classic. This is on PGA Tours app. This is their okay. this is their power rankings. Okay. Sung J M is the number one ranked player in this tournament. Okay. If we were to do L I V, if you went by World Golf ranking. You'd go with Cam Smith. Edge, live golf. Absolutely. Shane Lowry is number two. DJ. Denny McCarthy is number three. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Speaker of the House? What? What? Who? Denny McCarthy. Okay, uh, I, I don't know where you want to go here. You want to go uh, Kepka? Sure. Okay. 
Matt Kuchar is next. Ah, we'll go DeChambeau. That one might be at least a little closer. Chris Kirk is next. Well, I think I could throw anybody out there. Right? I'll just, you know, for the heck of it, I'll just throw Bubba. He didn't play all last year because of an injury. I'll still throw him out there thinking I'll get a win. By the way, here's the description of Chris Kirk according to the PGA's app. One of the best ball strikers of his generation. Wow. wow. It's good, good to know. Okay. Billy Horschel is six. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You want to go Sergio, Phil? Uh, where do you want me to go here? Take either one of them because Sepp Straka is number seven. Okay. So how about we go Phil against Horschel? Okay, because those two will trash talk. That would actually be entertaining. Horschel would beat them, but uh, more people would want to watch Phil play. And then uh, we'll go Sergio against Seb. You know, the the alliteration, Mark. Adam Svensson is the number eight power-ranked golfer in this tournament. Well, just to keep the alliteration going, I'll go with Henrik Stenson. <laughs> Harris English is number nine. Huh, okay. How about to go with Louis Oosthuizen? Robbie Shelton is next. His uh, He's had a pair of top tens this year, and he's scattered six top 25s across nine paydays and 11 starts. I mean, that's literally, guys made nine of 11 cuts. He's had six top 25s. He's the 10th best player in this tournament. I'll go Joaquin Neiman. You know, guys that rank 34th in the world. And they've got 12 teams in this list, so I'll give you 11 and 12. Taylor Pendrith is 11th. Good luck picking him out of a lineup. And Lee okay. Hodges is 12th. Well, I'll just throw the other two captains out there, Martin Keimer and Kevin Na. So does does Liv if Liv just lists its twelve captains and the Honda lists its top twelve players, is it twelve oh Liv? And if you're a golf fan, and we know there are a lot of you out there, what one are you watching this weekend? Because now you don't have to search that hard to find Liv Golf. Well, I don't know about that. It's on the CW. That's a damn good point. <laughs> I mean, just especially for the average golfer. I mean, the CW has attracted people age 40 and under. You know, the average golf viewer is like 57. So, honey, do we have a CW in this market? <laughs> what channel is it? Where the hell do I find that on DirecTV? I could see that going on a little bit. So, well, what's funny is I'm a DirecTV customer, and in this market, we don't get CW. No, you don't. So it looks like the old HD antenna will have to come out for it. But the <laughs> ooh, ooh, baby. But the point we're making is that hey, PGA Tour, when you've got your full field events, you're going to win and you're going to do well. Totally. But the rest of your events. Oof. I, I just, I mean, we're in golf markets. I'm guessing people listening that like golf win who at least twice. But this is where legacy, this is where being on NBC, because I believe the Florida swings on NBC, right? So, and so they start their golf coverage for the year. Well, no, they did the two Hawaii events. So, yeah, it, you know, CBS is the Pacific time zone. NBC's got Hawaii and Florida. 
and then CBS takes back over right around the Augusta. So that's what you're getting this weekend from the Honda in Palm Beach Gardens. That tournament will struggle to get players. It's a really difficult course. They don't particularly like playing there, and now they're not required to. And it's the first part of the Florida swing. Yeah, it's a bad slot on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Florida swing is going to go like the Texas swing, but remember the Texas swing got broken up. I mean, the, those tournaments, you know, you had the Nelson and the, you know, Hogan's Alley tournament and all that. And they, I, I mean, except for the guys who live in the greater Dallas area, like Scheffler and Spieth, and I, I mean, guys skip those events. And I think the Florida swings in a little bit of trouble here because I don't know how many of them are going to be the top tier events anymore, Mark. I mean, they'll do it for Bay Hill because Arnie's name is still on it. And they'll do, and obviously the players is the players, but the Valspar, the Honda, oof, I, I, I'm worried for them. I don't know what your fields are going to be like here going forward. Time now for our clutch vodka play of the day. A lot of pressure on Felipe. We haven't even heard what this is. I have an idea. I know what I would have picked. Felipe, what do you got? Best thing I saw yesterday comes from the Southland Conference. Nicole's hosting Texas A&M Con- Commerce. My bad. C.J. Roberts, a senior guard, coming off the bench, scoring 21 points, had this ridiculous hang time floater to win the game. Play. Shot clock is turned off. It's Roberts. Drives inside. Floater banks it home with 5.6. Seconds. You forgot to say seconds, but that's your clutch play of the day. That's what would you have picked, Mark? I would have picked Carter Heggie's goal in overtime to lead the Florida Panthers to a 4-3 win over the Ducks of Anaheim and a must-needed win for the Panthers as they're trying to push their way towards the NHL's postseason. That would have been me on the Florida Sports Network. But, you know. Wait, you would have picked the Florida Panthers as the Florida Sports Network play of the day? Yep, I would have. I'd have gone out on a limb. Who did we have there? Who were the two teams playing? Texas A&M Commerce. And Nichols in the Nichols. South. Nichols. 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 My Nichols. bad. Nichols. All right. So you went Southland Conference. Okay. That's our Clutch Vodka play of the day. Boy, was it clutch. And I certainly need some vodka after that. <laughs> I'll go with Clutch Vodka, and I'll be drinking it straight this time. Normally, I like a little fresco with it. But when we go Nichols and Texas A&M, who? Commerce. Commerce. Right. It's time for straight vodka. I think we just went clutch with a Q. That's how <laughs> off we were on that one. <laughs> Go to clutchspirits.com, hashtag all you drink with clutch spirits. Miller and Moulton, thanks for listening. The Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-two minutes before the top of the hour, Miller and Moulton, the Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Matt Baker will join us to talk college football at the top of the hour. Chris Perkins, one hour from now, we'll talk a little Dolphins. Pat Kerwin will join us later in the week. Pat had to change plans, and so we will accommodate his schedule, and he'll join us later in the week. All right, Mark, let's get ready for the Matt Baker segment. I'm going to throw out 
some numbers and you give me your feedback. So college football is talking about making what would be significant changes to their game. They're going to reduce the number of plays. They apparently have four suggestions. What do you think the chances are of the most radical one being accepted? That being that the clock will continue to run even after incomplete passes. However, it won't start running until the ball is spotted. So there'll be probably like an eight-second delay, and then the clock continues to run like soccer. I think that has a 0% chance. I, I really – no, I'm not joking. That is no chance at all. That is merely done to get the other parts of the proposal passed. This is let's throw the one outlandish thing out there just to see how foolish everybody thinks it is. I, 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 I laughed when I read that. Okay. Do you think that that was thrown out there so that maybe they could get some consensus on the second – boldest suggestion, which is basically the NFL clock. The clock will continue to run after first downs, except when we get under two minutes to go in each half. I think the NFL in the second half is five minutes. I could be wrong. But so basically college football will adopt the NFL clock. Do you think they'll do it? Yes. And the NFL doesn't ever stop for first downs in the last five minutes. That's just a out-of-bounds thing. Right. Um, so the last two minutes for the first downs, that's fine. It's a big leap, but I think, well, I don't think. The networks are running this. The networks need to get their games in windows, and they finally got in the ears of the right people, and I think this is a dunk. I think this will get changed immediately. Well, believe it or not, I don't think the networks are being heard as much as the college football world's been talking to itself, and they have a problem with young people. A, viewing, but also B, even going. That the feedback they're getting is, oh, man, the games take too long. Okay, is there any way to shorten this? For the record, this includes halftime. That's important to note because there's a seven to eight minute difference in an NFL halftime and a college halftime. But the average college football game this past season took three hours and 23 minutes. That includes the 20 minute halftime. The average NFL game has never been longer, never been longer than it is right now. And I think it's because of all the delays for challenges and taking a look at calls. Three hours and 12 minutes. I think it's throwing the football. I think the challenges has something to do with it, but I think it's just merely every team's throwing the ball more, which means, and they're accurate as all hell, but there still are more incompletions. So there's an 11-minute difference in the length of the games, and seven of those minutes are at halftime. So actually, once we kick off, if you take halftimes out of it, even though the average college football game has 12 to 14 more plays in it. Because the average NFL team runs 63 plays a game, while the average college team runs 69 or 70 plays a game. So even though you get 12 to 14 more offensive snaps in a college game, if you took halftime out of the equation, the college game lasts four minutes longer. 
We got this text, David. 21,000 is the text line, by the way. 21000 if you want to text the show. If you've never done so before, you need to type the keyword FSN radio. Do that once, and then you are in. This gentleman who texts regularly just said, it's beautiful three and a half to four hours of glory. Stop with it. I just can't say that middle word that was in there. Messing? Yeah, stop messing with it. That Messing. Messing. Right. It's like clutch with a Q. Messing. <laughs> right. Messing with an F. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's for messing. So, okay. And, and believe me, we hear you. We don't agree. We think it's gotten a little long because you throw in the halftime, but also games don't kick off at 3.30. I mean, I'll be honest. For the longest time, the SEC on CBS 3.30 game kicked off at 3.38. Then it became 3.39. Now it's 3.42. Is that for one more commercial break? I don't know. I, I, I think you know, so. I, I asked that because I think so. for years I did minor league hockey. As a broadcaster, we had TV games. The regular game started at 7.30. Saturday nights when we had TV, it was 7.38. Why? Had to jam in a couple of commercial breaks. Right. But, and also, I remember, and I believe you were still there, your games, which were listed at 7.30, but you guys kind of, you know, you guys had huge crowds, so you gave them a few minutes to get to their seats, and at the same time, you knew you were selling more concessions, and, you know, we can start at 7.30, at 7.35, 7.38, 7.40, and then you start to get feedback from your season ticket holders going, uh, yeah, I don't want to be here past 10 o'clock. It was the witching hour. People brought kids to games or whatever the case may be. 9.59 just appeared when you got in the car as better than 10.01. And so all of a sudden I remember, because you guys like made the, you must have had like a staff meeting in which you said, we're starting these games at 7.30. Because I remembered showing up and we were three minutes into the game and I'm like, what the heck? I looked at my watch, it was 7.33 and you, you know, I think you were still broadcasting then. And I went to you during a commercial break and said, what's going on? And you said, from now on, 7.30. And we mean 7.30. You guys became the NFL. You dropped the puck. The NFL kicks off at 101. College football's 3.30 games kick off between 3.38 and 3.45. And every network's different, but they've got to get their pregame shows in. They come on at noon. You know, the noon kick on Fox doesn't kick off at noon. What's Fox done? They've gone to four-hour windows. Now, I will say for the longest time, you know, ESPN, when they have game day leading into their noon games, they get to them faster than they get to their 330 kicks. Absolutely. You know, because it's the lead in and we bring a big audience. It's kind of like, hey, let's not mess around. We just spent three hours previewing the game. We probably touched upon this one, you know. You know, I'm Joe. I'm Troy. So-and-so's down on the field. You guys ready? Let's go. No fatutsin around. No fatutsin around. Or, as that gentleman text, messin'. Right. With an F. <laughs> but, but that, it, you know, and if I were, it, you know, if we were to put a poll question up today, it would be simply, are college football games too long? And I'd be curious to what our response would be. And I would, we would be debating which question to put up. That one, or do you want to see college football go with the NFL rules? 
or the NFL clock. Because the only thing that would really be left is one foot, two foot. Yeah, really. I mean, and if you want to get into the game, the hash marks are much wider. They're, if we want to get nitty-gritty with X's and O's, it actually can make for a very different game. But, but you got to get really nitty-gritty about that, the difference between the you know, width of the hash marks. So, yes, sitting at home, the layman on their couch and what have you, if they adopt this change, and I'm with you, Mark, I think they will. I think they will go to the NFL clock here because they're going to try to rein in and they acknowledge, hey, we got a lot more throwing than we've ever had before. That leads to more incompletions, more stoppage of the clock. You know, we're running more plays. Although what is interesting is apparently in 2014, the games were really long. Like when I was looking up the length of games, apparently in 2014, the average game was three hours and 23 minutes. Then it went down like five, six, seven, eight minutes. And now it's going up a minute a year. We've had five straight years where it's gone up. It's now five minutes longer than it was five years ago. We're back to the length of the games in 2014. Don't know why we had such long games in 2014. But but you get more football with a college game. It's, it's part of also, Mark, the college fan. It's the difference like going to a restaurant and some restaurants' wings are just much meatier. The college fan gets more football. To review, it's like when you go to a restaurant. Yes. And the wings are meatier. Correct. Certain side-by-side re- -side sports bars. Caddy corner for one another. We go there, either A, we get 12 wings in a basket. We go here, we get 10. Or B, uh, you get 10 wings in both places, but their wings are bigger. Come on. Like, tell me that's never entered into the equation. David? There's one place, and it's a big chain, so I will refuse to put their name out there because one day they could sponsor this show. <laughs> they have very skinny wings. They bred them to make up for the fact that they are very small wings. Other than that, most wings are of standard dimensions. I don't think that there is a big difference in the – Now, there is one – Totally disagree. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we would just – we would go to war over this. I totally disagree. There's many different sizes of wings. Some places buy the ones that are X amount per wing. Some places say, you know what? I want the meteor wings. I just went to a place to watch the Daytona 500. They literally offer you different sizes of wings. Do you want the jumbo wings? Or do you just want, you know, our regular wings? I so want the regular wing because it's about the crispness. It's not really about... The meteor of the wing, you can ruin that wing. You can dry it out. There's a lot of bad things that can happen. What? When you start getting the bigger wing. What? You, you, can't, you, you can't go too big with the wing, David. You can or you can't? You can't. Uh, you, you can. I'm sorry. You can go too big with the wing. The, the wing can be too big where it just basically becomes a damn drumstick. I want my wings like Fred Frintstone's brontosaurus thing on the side of his car that tilted it over. Okay, that's about the only thing that can be too big. Unbelievable. You can go too big with a wing? Yes. What has happened to you? 21,000. Can a chicken wing be too big? Oh, my goodness. If so, honestly, I may have to take a sick day tomorrow. 
I'll need a mental health day if you guys say a wing can be too big. Can get too dry, David. I just God, see, this is the difference. You're the cooker, I'm the eater. I understand <laughs> that. This is the difference right here. So what? It's a little dry. I'll put a little more sauce. I'll dip it in the ranch or or whatever. I'll make up for it. Ah, these are dry. I ah, need more dip. A wing can be too big. <laughs> no. That's our poll question. That this just got like, decided. This is like the left tackle being told he needs to lose 10 pounds. Really? I think a drumstick could be too big, but a flat can't be too big. I like flats more than drumsticks, though. A wing can be too big. Honestly, I actually think you're onto something, Felipe. World. Yeah. The drum can be way too big. The, yes. the flat, because of its denseness, yes. is not going to get dried out the way a very thick drum could get dried out. I, I think you're onto something there. Where the hell have you been going for your wings? You keep talking about these dried out wings. When's the last time you had a bad chicken wing? Really? You can yes. screw up a chicken wing. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's what the sauce is for. That's what the, you know, the the ranch of the blue cheese is for. As you're over know. there eating your mild wings. But you might go nuts and go medium. I, I, I'm going nuts these days. Right. Going nuts. Yeah, people that bake wings, that's not even any good. That's a terrible wing in and of itself. It's not put in a fryer. What's the point? A wing can be too big. It can. It can be too small and it can be too big. It's like Goldilocks here. You need the wing that's just right, David. (laughs) No, you need it to just show up. Okay, honestly, it just needs to appear. It's magnificent. It really is. There may be different degrees of magnificence, okay? But it's like making the Olympics. When you look in the basket, every wing is an Olympian. There may be one, that's the gold medal wing. That's the silver medal wing. But every wing in the basket is an Olympian. David, it's Fat Tuesday. A wing can be too big. No. No messing way, okay? That's messing with an F. Matt Baker coming up next to talk college football and chicken wings because I will ask this question (laughs) guaranteed. Miller and Moulton right here on the Florida Sports Network.